Hello, and welcome to episode 105 of the Keith Law Show. I will be joined this week by Craig Calcaterra, who runs a great newsletter called Cup of Coffee. He wrote a great, very short, um, and thus quick to read, and very easy to carry book called Rethinking Fandom, which I recommend very highly. We will be talking about that, about toxic fandom, about the end of the regular season, the playoffs so far, a little bit looking ahead to one series that's already set, matchup is set. I thought we'd have a second series set when I scheduled Craig to come on the podcast, and then the rain had other ideas. Before we get to that, since my last podcast, I've had two new posts. Uh, I went to the Arizona Fall League, and I am now home. I've had two posts up on what I saw out there. A shorter one that I wrote while I was still there, talking, uh, let off with Kumar Rocker, who pitched uh, actually the first game I was at on Monday night. And then a second, much longer post that went up Tuesday morning that covers pretty much everything else I saw in the fall league. Anybody I had any kind of real notes on or could give new information or have some kind of new conclusion, anything that I saw out there are all in a notebook. Today's ran almost 4,000 words if you care about such things. I do, um, because I constantly looking that wondering am i writing too much is this too long are my editors going to be mad at me they're never they're actually not mad at me but i think that way um so that will probably be it for me for new content until the free agent rankings which will run uh, right after the world series ends i think you know barring some other news or some other big transactions probably going to be the next thing i write which is fine that takes usually takes a week or two to put those rankings together. And it is going to be a pretty good free agent class. I'm actually kind of looking forward to this one. I think it'll be uh, quite a bit better than last year's um, and does feature actually last year's number one free agent, Carlos Correa, who's already said he's going to opt out. So he'll be back on the list for this year. So keep an eye out for that. Um, I will try to do some sort of chat uh, in the next week or so, because I know people have a lot of other questions about fall league prospects and uh, would love to be able to answer them. I have answered some in the comments. I can't promise I'll still stay in the comments under today's post, but I have been trying to hit some of those uh, today, given just how much I saw and how ridiculous my notebook looks at this point. Also, for those of you who do follow me for board game news, I will have a review coming up this week. Um, It is of a game called Acropolis, spelled with a K, that uh, is very interesting, very, very quick playing, tile-laying game. Um, that really wins because of the uh, scoring. The way the scoring works is uh, something a little bit novel. I don't think it's entirely new, but it really it works particularly well. I can also say I played it with my nine-year-old, and she got a lot of good multiplication practice, in, so that's a good thing also. Now it is my pleasure to be joined by another three-time guest, uh, I've been on a run of those recently. Uh, Craig Calcaterra, who writes the wonderful newsletter Cup of Coffee, which you can and should subscribe to, cupofcoffee.substack.com. Previously, he was at NBC Sports, and before that, I think he was some kind of lawyer. Anyway, Craig, welcome. Um, we have a lot to talk about. I actually thought we were going to talk about uh, both LCS previews, but as we record this on Tuesday morning, we did not have a Game 5 last night. If the Yankees lose... We're going to get more of this narrative that we got when the Mets lost. And I know you weighed in on this. I mean, a bunch of people weighed in on on uh, on this idea that the Mets season was an abject failure because they lost a three-game series. After winning 100 and, 101, right? They won 101 games. Lost out on the division title just because of a tiebreaker. Lose two out of three to actually a very good team that just, you know, won 89 games without their best player. 
and suddenly the Mets season is a failure. And I mean, there were, you know, the New York tabloid headlines, not that I should rely on that for anything. And I think that one stuck or is maybe it would be fair to say is sticking right now that, that this Mets club is, was some kind of disappointment. This was like the, oh, what was the title? It was basically the worst team that money could buy in the, those early 90s Mets with the Bobby Bonilla contract, which... I actually saw that, and I can't remember who it was. It was either Martino or, one, I don't know, some New York-based writer. And it was before the series was over. It was before they had totally lost oh the series. God. Oh, because they, lo- they lost were- the division. Yeah, we're, well, this was like during the NLDS. They were down, you know, too. And the headline was, we're one game away from the worst team money could buy part two. I'm like, are you serious oh my with God. this? This was the second best regular season Mets team they've ever had. And it's it's one of those deals where I get disappointment. I'm not telling people not to be disappointed. Some people have pushed back on me saying that I'm saying you, you can't be sad about a playoff loss. Of course you can. They're a, they're a game. You get bummed out after anything bad that happens to your team. I would hope that you can take a few steps back and say, that was a great six-month ride, especially the first half. Uh, and if you're a Dodgers fan, you know, 111 wins. That was an amazing season. I have a lot of Dodgers fans. I have a lot of friends who live in Los Angeles who for six months straight We're whooping it up every single night after a Dodgers victory, taking selfies at the game with the fireworks in the background saying, this team, this is the best. That doesn't go away because they, you know, their bats went cold for three games. That just, that doesn't happen. And I hope we don't allow that to happen, but we have such a championships are everything count the rings, baby kind of sports culture in this country that increasingly it does happen. And, and I know I'm weird and biased about this. I was an Atlanta Braves fan for like 30 years of my life and if you're a 1990s Atlanta Braves fan, you have to get cool with the idea that winning the World Series isn't the only thing that makes a good team. It took me, you know, 10, 15 years to get cool with that. <laughs> but, you know, by, I don't know, by like 1997, 1998, I was definitely on board with, oh, heck, it was a good regular season at least, right? Um, I'd like to think more people can get to that because we can enjoy more about baseball if you enjoy, you know, 162 or 181 or however many games you play. Well, the alternative is to demand that we change the format of the playoffs yeah that's not happening no i mean it's ridiculous but that seems to be that is a big well this isn't fair this 110 win dodgers team got knocked out it's the well, why didn't they do that with the giants last year? that's a great I question I think it's because we all sort of in our bones knew that the Giants were a fluky team last year. We knew what they were before 2021. We now see what they were in 2022. It's very easy to say, wow, everything absolutely went right for the 2021 Giants. So at the time, we didn't like think, oh, this was some historically great team that was being ripped off. But we kind of feel that way with the Dodgers a little bit. Yeah, with the Dodgers won, I don't know, 200 and something games over the course of two years and got Mm -hmm. knocked out right in the first round each of the years. And so therefore they are... You know, therefore, we should change the format of the playoffs. I mean, Ken, my, my colleague, Ken Rosenthal, I almost feel like he had to write this response comment. Like, hey, we don't need to change the format of the playoffs, especially based on like, one year and one thing. Like, this is just going to happen. This is, you have to di- divorce yourself of the idea. And it, this, you're, this ties into what you were just saying, of this idea that the playoffs determine who is the best team. That was never the purpose of the playoffs. It's... Not really for the on the on-field stuff, but also the purpose of the playoffs is to make money. 
even even when it was just two teams reach the World Series, the pennant winners go on to the World Series. I mean, initially, that was more of a, a fun exhibition, right? The pennant was what everybody was after. And it probably was half of a century worth of World Series before people really started thinking, wow, now we're going to know who the best team is. Everybody knew the Yankees were the best team. And oh, isn't it cute that the Giants are here now? I, and as far as purity and playoffs and everything like that, I mean, I too wish we could go back to 2021 when an 88 win team won the World Series when it really <laughs> mattered. Uh, for some reason, if a 90 win or an 89 win team wins the World Series this year, it's a legitimate. But I think that's just because we're bored. Yes, it's it is. I mean, to me, this made me it actually made me think quite a bit of your book, Rethinking Fandom, where it's like this is exactly the kind of mentality, though, where the the mentality that this isn't fair and we should change the format that is because your team lost you know three of two of three three of four whatever in a short series anything can happen in baseball mike petriello said is it is this really because of the format or is, the, or is it just hey in any short series the odds are never more than about 55 45 which is exactly the number i always give so clearly we got it from somewhere but that's this is just going to happen in short series you could let an 82 win team into the playoffs and they'd still have a chance. I, I think it was Petriello even a couple of years ago who did the thing like, you know, mathematically ran it like really to have the best team win. You'd have to have like a 90 game series, which ah. is what a regular season is. Yes. Right. Um, yeah, it's funny. How you know, it's, and we can't care. You can get hung up on that, but just enjoy it for what it is. Accept it for what it isn't. Um, the, the whole thing that went into my book to begin with, like the little spark that started it was I really would like to enjoy sports more and be less mad about sports. And part of that was like Twitter based in that. And, and really, this is watching Twitter during an NFL season is what is what informed more than anything, because and I still laugh about it. If, if you are not an NFL fan, which I no longer am, uh, but you get on Twitter on a Sunday um, you come away with the opinion that everybody absolutely loathes and despises football and their team, and it makes them miserable. Like, you know, no one goes on to Twitter to immediately cheer a great play. They go on to Twitter to complain about something. And so that's a bit of a, a, a bit of a skewed perspective, but it did dawn on me that I've been around people, especially living in a college football town like I do. Um, you know, if Ohio State goes uh, 10 and 2 instead of 11 and 1 with a win over Michigan, it's all of a sudden a dreadful, horrible season and we didn't enjoy ourselves. And I hate that aspect of sports. It takes all the fun out of it. And so what I was trying to do with the book and what I still try to do as a fan is let's enjoy it for its entertainment value. Let's enjoy it for what it is and try to find as much joy as we can. We don't got to be Pollyanna. We don't have to create and pretend if we're upset, but let's remember that we enjoyed 162 games. And let's remember that a team that was expected to win uh, 81, but 193, wow, that was a great season. Um, and we don't do that enough, I don't think, in American sports. And I think it's it's just the championships winning take all kind of mentality that is way, way deeper in sports in this country that, that causes that. I just wanted to push back against that a little bit because it is fun. Well, I'm curious now you, you uh, what do you call yourself? The world's biggest Brentford fan? I'm the world's foremost, foremost. Brentford fan because I am and I chose that word very carefully because I'm an idiot. Right. And so, like, I, I, don't, I don't get onto. <laughs> I don't get onto Premier League Twitter or message boards. I don't talk with like hardcore Brentford fans uh, because I know nothing. And if they say, you know, oh, you're a big Brentford fan, you know, who was their, you know, leading scorer in 1989? I'm like, I don't even know what league they were in 1989. But foremost, because I'm just loud and stupid about it. Ah, yes. I was going to ask, do you find 
any similarities, but you say you just have, you've avoided Premier League <laughs> football, Twitter. Are, are they even are they Premier League or are they Championship? Yep. they are Premier League. No, no, they're in the Premier okay. League. This is their this is their the reason I picked Brentford was last year when I decided to become a Premier League fan and start watching it a lot. It was their first year in the Premier League or the top division of of English football since 1947. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, they had no business. They they were way down, like down in the fourth level or something. And I figured, well, I'm I'm getting in now as a ground floor Premier League fan. I might as well get in with one of the three teams that were promoted. And Brentford was the first game I happened to see, and they won a big game. So I'm like, okay, I'm on this band. Great. Mm-hmm. Have you watched um, uh, Welcome to Wrexham yet? I, I haven't yet. I plan to. We, That's going to be more of an off season thing for me. We just started it last night because there was rain out. We were gonna. My wife and I were all set to watch the. Yankees game by the time we got the kids to bed etc she comes downstairs I'm like they canceled it and she goes ah. let's start welcome to Wrexham which so far was good um she's for listeners you know this listeners don't know my wife's parents are Welsh too so this is of particular interest although this is North Wales as opposed to South Wales so mm. every time like a lot of them have started talking it's like, Wait a minute, I don't recognize these accents at all. <laughs> like, it's not that far. You look, as the crow flies, it's like, this is Rhode Island. What are you talking about? But the I, I won't spoil anything for you on it, but I, I haven't watched it, but I know this much, is that the daughter of the drummer of my favorite band features in in later episodes of Welcome to Wrexham. Uh, the, the drummer for the band James, which people oh, might yes, know is the... Who, who did the song Laid is the only song Americans tend to know. Which but is terrible. He's, they have so many other yeah, good songs. Yeah, I know. It's, it's it's like kind of a gimmick. They're embarrassed by the song, by the way. But uh, he's 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 Welsh, and his daughter features in "Welcome to Wrexham" in a kind of hilarious way. So that's the only that's probably probably why I'm going to watch it. Very actually. cool. But this was it was great too because they gave like they put a pyramid up showing you know, Premier League, Championship League. I forgot what the third one is, and they're like one level down yeah, yeah, below I, that. League One, League Two, yeah. and then now they're in the National League, the which Nash- is like yeah. the fifth level. Right. <laughs> and it, it was, I particularly enjoyed, I think it was Rob Macklin, he's saying, you know, what if that, like, what it meant, like being one, I, I remember one of the two, it's him and Brian Reynolds, but one of the two was sort of like blown away by the thought of this because North American sports, like, none of our sports are built like that at all right and so this idea that you know what if the yankees got relegated and then had to go play the toledo mud hens <laughs> next year and it's you know we just we don't think like that at all and no, i'm not and i'm not advocating for it i find it fascinating and it adds i'm like i have cousins in italy it's the same thing it's like oh my god the idea that our club, i think the their local club is in Serie b which would be the equivalent of championship not premier league but the idea of being relegated is horrifying and maybe so it is Mm -hmm. it's it's hard to get your brain around and so you know i didn't want to root for one of the big teams that are always there i wasn't going to be a chelsea fan or a manchester city fan or something like that because i'm just i'm always a an underdog guy and midway through the season you know brentford started pretty quick for a team that is first called up um, it's very common to bounce back. If you're one of the three teams that gets promoted to the Premier League, it's very common for you immediately after that first year to go back down or the second year or something like that. So you have no expectations. And Brentford was exceeding them, and I was like really enjoying it. And then the middle of the season, because it's a very big grind, they start to fall and they start to fall and they start to fall. And they're, they never got down in the relegation zone, but they were close enough to where it was a reasonable conversation to have. And I found myself sitting here as an American sports fan with no experience whatsoever with the relegation <laughs> system saying, I don't know if I can mentally handle 
handle this? What am I going to do next year? I oh, I got to get a different cable package if I want to watch them. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> and and I just can't. Um, but it does do a thing where it makes the regular season matter. I mean, there was no way whatsoever. I mean, you're not going to win the league. Only one team wins the league. And then the top four or five, you know, are playing in European tournaments. And that's something you play for. And that's really most teams can't even hope for that. So why are you watching these games that are pointless? Well, no, for a whole bunch of them, it's like, are we going to survive? And it's a very different kind of regular season fandom than you have with watching baseball. Uh, it's a little more harrowing and a little more anxiety inducing, but uh, it's really cool. It's actually a good system that we could never, ever replicate. Yeah, that's, I mean, the, there's the shame because it's the ultimate in anti-tanking, right? That's just not mm -hmm. a thing over there. And I, I, I understand, again, not advocating for this, but there is a little part of me that's like, wishes that Bob Nutting had to put a little more money into the major league club and that they couldn't just, you know, I actually think the pirates have some interesting things going on in the minors, but in the meantime, the product that they're putting out on the major league field is not as good as it could be. How about that? Right. It, it's interesting to see though, because there are now a lot more American owners in English football and European football. Um, it's a big, they're viewing it as a good investment vehicle and it probably is. Um, and we saw with the Super League, for example, last year, that, pr that uh, proposal that lasted like a day and a half before a fan revolt about allowing these top teams from multiple European leagues to always be in the big money tournament. Uh, that's an American, it's been criticized as an Americanization of sports, of the idea of insulating teams from losses. Uh, it would be really, really bad if you own Arsenal and Arsenal gets relegated some year. That would be a disaster. Oh my God. Global um, headlines. So, oh, it'd be crazy. So what the idea of the Super League is to do is to make it so you can never really be relegated. Those same 10 or 12 or however many teams it was going to be were always going to be in the money. And that's America. That's Major League Baseball. That's the NFL. No matter how bad you are, the Pittsburgh Pirates are always going to be a Major League Baseball team. Your losses are, are buffered. Um, and that's anathema to European sports. Um, and, and so one thing that's really cool about it is what we used to have in baseball to some extent, which we all lamented a little bit because it involved George Steinbrenner and Ted Turner, was <laughs> someone would buy a team as an extension of their ego. And George Steinbrenner even though he didn't quite know how to do it for most of his tenure, wanted to win because it made him feel better and he didn't care. That doesn't exist really in baseball anymore. Now it's a, a conservative sort of uh, business investment sort of thing. And European soccer to still a great extent is I'm a big billionaire and I want to feel like a bigger man by having my team do good. And while that's kind of obnoxious and toxic in a whole bunch of ways, it actually benefits fans a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a bit of the uh, the Ted Lasso. It's um, Anthony Stewart Head's character <laughs> where it's very clear he's just an egomaniac. Um, oh, yeah. And, right. But he's just I'm but damn it. If you're a West Ham fan, you are definitely going to be happy that he buys your team in the in the Ted Lasso cinematic universe, because even if it's for spite, even if it's because he wants to screw his ex-wife over, damn it, they're going to win a lot of games. Well, this was the moment that the obviously people were happy, Mets fans, especially to see the Wilpons go. But you knew no matter what else, Steve Cohen was going to put money in. Right? They were yes. not going to get outbid. And basically, I actually would say Steve Cohen's ownership so far has largely been a huge success. Most They, yeah. they put money in. Most of the moves, uh, the player personnel moves have worked out really well. That's the other thing that really pisses me off about this season is a failure narrative from, from Mets fans. I'm like, okay, fine. 101 wins is good. If that's not good enough for you, this was the first Mets season I can remember that didn't have something just like terribly embarrassing or dubious or, you know, lull Mets or whatever you want to call it. It's a professionally run organization now, probably will increasingly be as time goes on. And 
you know, for years, Mets fans were saying things like, you know, I don't even care if we win a World Series. I just want to not be humiliated by my team. Well, you've got it now. Yep. I mean, this, honestly, this team, for a while, they were just surviving because they kept drafting well, which they continue to draft really well. But then they would, you know, give those prospects away or fail to develop some of them. And now it seems like, wait a minute, now the organization, they're all kind of working. All the departments seem to be working better together. And they're deploying, when they do trade prospects, it's for better returns and they're making better investments in free agency i mean sort of it's time to look at the mets and say no this this is a serious club i mean it's probably not the ideal adjective for it but that no they're (laughs) doing stuff right now it's more of a modern organization as opposed to before there were like little pockets but the whole group wasn't working right together i used to make the comparison to the cane mutiny and there's like the scene in the movie the cane mutiny when they're they're going over to visit Admiral Nimitz to tell them how bad Humphrey Bogart's been running the ship and they get on his ship and they see, oh wait, on the aircraft carrier, everything is running like perfectly. It's a, it's a, an ideal Navy ship. And they realize, oh wait, they're not even going to understand what we're complaining about because our, our situation is such a joke. The Mets are the USS Kane or have been, <laughs> and now they're actually a real Naval ship and people are mad about that too. I don't get yep. Um, all right, let's talk about the NLCS for a couple of minutes, um, which obviously mm-hmm. is also part people are mad that it's what was some I had I kind of dunked on a reader. I try not to do very much, but or I should <laughs> say a follower. It's like it's not legitimate because these are, you know, because it's the bottom two seats, right? The five and the six seeds advance to which I was like, these are two really good teams still. This right. idea that they're somehow first of all, this, the, the idea of legitimacy is just shut up like i just can't with that and to begin with mm-hmm. but also if you're mad about bryce harper manny machado jt romuto Juan soto zach wheeler aaron nola you darvish being in a playoff series together like what are you a fan right see that's the thing that gets me and like i have a long history especially back when i used to really identify as a hardcore braves fan which i i don't really anymore but um I have a hardcore history of of not liking the Phillies very much or mocking the Phillies or fighting with Phillies fans because they're so easy to fight with. And it's it's one of those things where even me, like generally having a distaste for the Phillies, that this is a fun team. Like it's how do you root against them? And maybe I, I would have felt different in you know 2010 or 11, but it's been a while. And it's it's good to have them back on the as a franchise back on the scene. Um, and like you said, there are a lot of fun players on the on that team. The Padres are are much the same way. Um, you know, if you can't get behind the idea of uh, Manny Machado used to be everybody's most hated player, but he's actually a genuine team leader now and seems to do a very good job of it. I mean, that's a great story. And there are great players there. And Juan Soto is a huge young star. And uh, San Diego fans have not had much to cheer for. As a neutral, I don't know how you could be mad about this. This is ideal as a neutral. Um, this is this is storybook. I'm I'm sort of dreading. I don't have a rooting interest, but I'm sort of dreading the Yankees beating the Guardians tonight because Yankees Astros is fairly old hat for us. Um, and Padres Phillies, amazing. How do you hate that? And I feel like if we got, you know, I put I was thinking this the other night. If the Guardians win, then we will have four teams left that I believe have won a total of five World Series in all four franchise histories, right? Padres, mm-hmm. none. Cleveland, two. Astros, one. Phillies, two. I think I have that yeah, right. Yeah, Phillies, two. Yeah, like, Phillies, two. that's also awesome because whoever, obviously people that, you know, I'm putting aside the Astros, the people who hate the Astros because of the, the right. sign-stealing stuff. Like, those are four fan bases that I all feel like y'all deserve it, right? We're good. Like, any one of those... You've had plenty. You know, if the Astros win their second championship in five years, so what? You had to wait fifty years for the first one. We're fine, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I and I, th- 
I think it's a little louder. The the Astros hate is a little louder online than it probably is in real life. A lot of those players have either gone away or they're not the same as they used to be. Um, you know, plus you've got Alvarez, uh, you've got a, a different kind of crop of people. Um, and, and look, if they're in it, I won't root for them just because, you know, come on. But I I don't think that level of hate will still be. There. No, I, it's it, my wife likes to point this out a lot. Twitter is not real life. Like, I know that, mm-hmm. but it's just very easy when you spend too much time online in general. I mean, Twitter in particular, but online in general, like that's not real. Then you go out right. and, you know, touch grass, you know, go <laughs> out and talk to people and you realize that's like not even the tenor. I mean, we won't get into politics, but I think it applies to politics as much as it applies to sports and even some other venues. It's like, yeah, that's not real. That's not how right. people, you know, if I... I mean, I was in the post office the other day and ran into another family that we knew through our kids' school. And one of them said something about the Phillies because they had, you know, they'd just gotten into the playoffs. I think they'd won the first game against the Cardinals, something like that. And then suddenly everyone in the post office is talking about the Phillies. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is great. It is non-toxic fandom, right? This was awesome. It's just happy. And you realize, like, oh, this isn't, Online is the worst of it. It just exactly. gets distilled. Like this is what I like. And somebody, I was then I was out in Arizona, and people were like, "Hey, what's going on? Is it you know, knowing I live close to Philadelphia, what's what's it like? You know, Philly's good. The Eagles obviously are out of their minds." Um, and I said, "You know, it's just great when the local teams are good." I'm not a Phillies mm-hmm. fan. I didn't grow up here, but it's I, really I had fun. That experience. Yeah, I had that experience on Sunday. Um, I I have you know, as a bald man, I have caps and I wear hats all the time. And uh, they're not necessarily indicative of who I root for. I just like hats. Um, and my current uh, go-to hat is uh, a Block C. It was it was an Indian's hat at the time, the Block C, but now obviously it's Guardian's hat. Um, and I was wearing that. My son and I went to an amusement park that's about 60 miles from Cleveland up on Lake Erie. And uh, I've been there a million times in my life. I go up to Cleveland, you know, fairly often. And you don't see, and especially in the last 10 or 15 years, you don't really see a lot of, Indians slash Guardians stuff as much as you would in another city. They're, they've sort of lost a little bit of the city. Um, but on Sunday up at this amusement park, I'm wearing my Guardians hat. I could not count the number of Cleveland baseball, you know, shirts, hats, whatever I saw. People were giving me a thumbs up with the hat, even though there are 50 dudes around me wearing the same hat. Um, it was, yeah, that feeling of, you know, we're in the playoffs. Things are happening. It's a it's a pretty pure feeling. It's really nice. Yeah, I enjoy. I mean, there was this. This is. Uh, you know, different reason, but, you know, Arizona Fall League, being in Arizona, when a Diamondbacks prospect, especially Jordan Lawler, who looked really good in Fall League, when he would come up, the handful of fans who were there were cheering, clearly cheering louder. And it was just, this is all positive. And it's one thing I love about Fall League just in general, right? It's all good vibes, right? This is mm-hmm. all, you're just, you know, there's no real rooting interest in the fall league teams per se people are just cheering they just cheer for the home team because that's where they are they cheer for the prospects on their particular organization and it's just good and it, i'm a lifelong salt river fan that, yes I, exactly to my bones right. my grandfather was a salt river yes fan. right <laughs> r.i.p grand canyon rafters or whatever they were called or paddlers phoenix, or yeah the phoenix <laughs> muni team it's you know i I, to me, it's. I like Phoenix Muni, by the way. Yeah. I'm a big poured concrete fan, but you know, playing, I, I've lost that battle. They're doing a triple header there this upcoming Saturday. Actually, it's the first time in like a decade they've played games over there. I didn't mind Phoenix Muni at all. Salt River's amazing, obviously. Oh sure, yeah. Um, but to me, it's it that is very much a reminder 
even more so than just regular minor league baseball. This is just I, I, good fandom. I, I hate that. That's not really getting at it, but it's that this is the good part of being a fan, right? It's just positive. I'm just here. I'm enjoying the sport. I'm enjoying the players. I'm rooting for good things rather than rooting against or rooting for bad things for somebody. I'm just here to enjoy the players, enjoy the sport, enjoy the great weather, obviously. Oh, yeah. You know, and as a, as you, you know, I like your, as a neutral in this Padres Philly series, um, but living with somebody who's not a neutral at all in uh, this, yeah. like, I'm stoked. I think the series is going to be super exciting. I feel like the, I, I, I would pick the Phillies at this point. I, I do think the Phillies are, are just slightly better in terms of a matchup, but they're both great teams. Either one of these teams advances is going to be pretty awesome. The the back end of the Padres bullpen is interesting to me. They, I mean, again, three games, five games, however many games, uh, you know, especially in the second half, <laughs> Hater did not look great a lot of the time. But uh, you know, Suarez, Garcia, Hater, that's that's a very playoff one, two, three kind of thing that you could imagine shortening games as we've come to call it. And uh, so they're interesting. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I, I I think I'm sort of prevented from going in with the Padres because uh, my, I, I do San Diego radio a lot. And, uh, and uh, my brother lives in San Diego. He's lived in San Diego for like 25 years and I go there. So they, I talk about San Diego a lot. So they started bringing me on San Diego radio and I have some San Diego gear around here from when I took kids, my kids to the games out there. And uh, last year when they were doing really, really well on uh, the middle of the season before their collapse, I they kept bugging me because my avatar at the time I had a Dodgers hat on and I just as a joke, after I did a radio hit with them, I grabbed my Padres hat and a Padres t-shirt, took a selfie and made it my avatar for like a day. Well, not a day. And I left it up there for a little mm-hmm. while. And that's when they started like literally that day is when they started that streak where they lost like 11 of 13 and then whatever. It's and your so fault. Then they're all, it's all my fault. I was getting so much crap from Padres people and they've had me back on a few times and they said, just as we'd love to have you on, but just don't, root for the Padres at all. <laughs> so I feel like I can't, but then Phillies people are going to be mad at me saying that I should because I'm a jinx, apparently. My guest this week has been the great Craig Calcaterra. You can follow him on Twitter at Craig Calcaterra, C-A-L-C-A-T-E-R-R-A. And you can subscribe to his newsletter, cupofcoffee.substack.com. Craig, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Keith. That's all for this week's show. Thanks so much for listening. Stay safe. And if you haven't yet... Go get that booster shot.